Hello, and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling, and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We are here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. We continue our series of looking at different contexts. Today, we look at ministry in urban settings. In the last episode, we talked about rural and small town youth ministry. It was great to hear from DCE Angie Kolbaum, and it was uh, good to hear from folks in that context who listened to the episode and appreciated that discussion. So now we continue this series by looking at another context. We're going to talk about urban ministry. And as we look at how youth ministry changes in different contexts, we want to remember that the gospel stays the same, the same now and forever, and we can rest in that. But as we live out our vocations and caring for young people, we can use information about our context to share the gospel with them. The population of people living in urban areas has been on the increase over the last decades. Our research with millennials showed that they are following that pattern and moving into the city. And even within one city or a few city blocks, different neighborhoods and churches may see different backgrounds and circumstances that shape their church community. The body of Christ may be made up of people in their direct neighborhood who walk to church and ministry functions. Other churches may have members who drive many miles to attend because it's perhaps a church of their childhood or offers community not found elsewhere. So, Mark, you made it clear in the last episode you did not grow up in an urban area, and neither did I, but my last call was to Chicago. I'm kind of just on the edge of the city limits, and so I really, truly fell in love with the city and living in the city and city ministry in many ways, and just so appreciate all the things that an urban area has to offer and the joys and some of the struggles that come along with that. Certainly where I grew up was a very different neighborhood than say a lot of other neighborhoods Mm -hmm. in Chicago. And then coming and joining the staff and talking about uh, Lutheran Young Adult Corps, where we placed young adults in a variety of urban settings. I got the great joy of getting to work with a lot of different ministries in many different city centers um, and seeing where God was doing amazing things inside the city. So I know that congregations doing youth ministry in the heart of the city have some real unique joys and um, some unique challenges as well. Today, we're joined by uh, DCE Heidi Lewis. Heidi is a DCE serving at St. Trinity Lutheran in urban St. Louis. She's been a DCE for more than 30 years, serving in a variety of settings from large suburban to church planning and now to revitalization. Uh, she is married to Reverend Dave Lewis, and they have one daughter, Skylar, who just started what grade, Heidi? Fourth grade. Fourth wow. grade. Uh, so welcome to End Goals Podcast. Uh, we get to hear a little bit about you just in a little bio, but tell us about your vocation, your roles in youth ministry, and other things that bring you joy. What brings me joy most and always comes down to people and relationships and how those happen, whether it's spending time with my family or talking over the fence with my neighbor or hauling a group of kids to an event and laughing and talking about Jesus. So being in relationships where Jesus is in the center is my greatest joy. I also enjoy creative things. Um, I watercolor paint and occasionally I write, but most of the time I'm when I have free time, I'm doing things with my family. One of the things that we love to hear from youth ministry leaders is about their junior and senior high school years. Can you share us a little bit of how Jesus used a key moment or moments or people to keep or bring you close to him or his church? I grew up in a church that valued young people immensely, and they empowered us and allowed us to serve one another and grow together and own our own our program. 
And that was pivotal in my life. The adults that poured into the group, some of them were parents, some of them were single young adults. There was one paid staff person who worked with the youth who was not church trained, but was a public school teacher who loved Jesus and loved his kids. And what was really um, touching and really valuable in my development was during the summer, every other weekend, we took three-day-long backpack trips in the mm. Rocky Mountains. And the relationships that happened along hiking rugged mountain paths to sitting around campfires and singing and talking about God and his beautiful creation, um, that was really pivotal and powerful in my choice of occupation and in me owning my faith and growing in a lifetime faith. So urban communities can look really different depending on a lot of different factors. And I don't think I realized this. I grew up in kind of a very small city that looked uh, pretty similar all across the city. I didn't really understand the kind of distinct lines that you can have between neighborhoods and communities within the city. And often those neighborhoods uh, very widely <laughs> in terms of resources, so socioeconomic status, ethnic makeup, and more. So maybe tell us a little bit about the setting where you serve and uh, how that might be different than maybe a, a congregation just a mile or two down the road. Sure. The congregation where I serve has a long history. It's been there for over 165 years, but our community that surrounds it is People, they have jobs, but they're working poor. People who just can't quite make the edges or the ends meet. Flip that, I live three miles from there. And in my neighborhood are middle-class um, people. The houses are worth a lot more money, even though they're the same builders. It's just a couple blocks over, and it just has a different feel. Yeah, it's it's so curious to me, like, just how... You can go just a few blocks or or even correct. across the street. Across the street, correct. <laughs> and you're going to be looking at a variety of different people. So either people who are struggling in poverty who, who can't move out or, or just don't have the means to do that. Correct. And sometimes it's not even across the street, they're neighbors. So one neighbor, their house might be valued a lot less and they're working and poor. And next door you have a three-story beautiful brick home that's been refurbished and owned by an upwardly mobile owner. Right. And then there are people who, who choose to live in the city right, because they want that experience. And, because and, the city's wonderful. Right. It yeah. has a lot of great aspects. Who, who love that. And so you can have all varieties of that and mixtures of that as well. Yeah. And in that, there certainly are um, some common elements that you're going to see in urban ministry. That is, you work with other practitioners, churches work together. I love we just kind of did a little bit of a set as churches here in St. Louis of getting churches to get to know one another better. And you see some of the histories that are different, but some commonalities as well. And so can you talk about maybe some of those common elements that you're going to see while living and doing youth ministry in an urban environment? Okay. What's the greatest need is we all need Jesus. What's the greatest joy? It's that Jesus loves us. That is everywhere. The individual needs might be different, but but Jesus and the people are, is what's so common. And whether you're in a suburban setting or an urban setting, we're all broken by sin. Now, what my experience is sometimes when you have more resources financially, you can hide those mm -hmm. sins 
or you have ways to help meet you and work through those challenges, or if you're more economically challenged, which is often the case in the neighborhood where I, I serve, it's harder to meet those needs. And there's an openness and a rawness that maybe is a little more present in the urban setting than some of my suburban experiences. Do you see with that openness, like you've been able to serve in different contexts, how has how would you say ways that you've served differently in that urban context when that's what you're seeing in your day in day out ministry? How has that yeah. had you different approach maybe to ministry or uh, things you think about maybe differently than what you did when you served maybe in suburban contexts? My youth want it real. Mm. Don't give me fluff. Don't give me pictures of everybody happy and smiling and Bible stories. It's okay to talk about the brokenness. It's okay to start and, and dig into Job and how life was hard mm-hmm. um, because I want to know the brokenness and how Jesus restores and redeems and makes us more and more like Jesus because of his grace and his dealing and loving me because I need to hear that. In the suburbs, Maybe you don't really know that you need a savior if life is so grand and all your needs are met so easily. Mm-hmm. When when needs are are harder to be met, there's there's an understanding of my need of a savior is so mm-hmm. deep because I I see my brokenness or I see the sin, whether I see it around me or in my home or in my school. And and in that there's a beautiful authenticity mm-hmm. that yeah. That working with you young people mm-hmm. is just, it's a delight. Mm-hmm. But I also have to kind of check because some of my experiences hadn't been that. And and they challenged on me. And they'll check <laughs> they'll check out on Heidi if I'm not being real. And I'm not, I'm not de- delivering the word directly. Mm-hmm. And I think that can play into some ways that it's some very practical ways as well, right? So we have curriculums or programs that assume a certain amount of resources Correct. that may or may not be available to the to the people in your community and your congregation. So the assumption that you're going to have green space in a city doesn't have that you have not. a parking lot is an assumption that's not true in <laughs> right? our city. Correct. So I have to be more creative because some of what's available as far as like curriculum and opportunities just aren't there. There's not a bowling alley in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. There's not a laser tag. There is not a swimming pool in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. So if we want to do an activity like that, mm-hmm. it becomes much more complicated. First of all, some of my families, because they're urban and don't need it, or maybe they don't have the resources, don't have vehicles in their homes Mm -hmm. because they walk everywhere they need to go or they just don't have it. So for me to just say, oh, come up to church, I have to first make sure somebody can pick up all those kids and bring Mm -hmm. them. And then we have to bus out to where they're available, those resources. And then I also have to fund the resources. Now I have some kids who can fund the whole group and some families do that graciously, but I have other kids who can't meet the minimal. And so it also like when I do something, I have a meal at every youth event because I have a few kids who are hungry. Mm-hmm. I have some who bring the meals and do it graciously and share. But then I always have some kids who not only eat the meal and want it, but they want to take some home because they know their sibling or their parents at home are hungry and are waiting for them to bring home some spaghetti and sauce that we had at lunch. And so that can mean being more integrated with the whole family as well. Absolutely. Right? It's, it's not 
sectionalized, like, oh, we just have the middle school here or the juniors mm-hmm. and seniors here. It's much more integrated and it's much more family-ish, yeah. whether the whole household comes or the adults who are pouring in and working with the young people are their extended family. Could be grandparents, it could be young adults, parents. It, it really has a family feel to it. So I, I can hear how much you love the young people you work with in your I ministry. Do. What are some maybe some unique joys of serving in an urban area? Well, like I mentioned, the authenticity is beautiful. I also, because some of them have less resources, they have less distraction. And so when you're together, you can be truly together. They're not always distracted. So if we're playing a pickup game of kickball in our gym, they're not necessarily doing something else with their device. They're really rooting for and they're like, you know, giving me a hard time because I'm old and slow, you know, <laughs> and laughing at me. I love the that they're more present. But I also think what I also love is my youth group, it's visually, but it's also socioeconomic. It's much more like a mosaic. It's not, it's not everybody's kind of the same cut. There's beautiful differences that make this beautiful picture together. It's much more like a mosaic that way. And in that, it's just, there's beautiful to see how it fits together and how God has woven it together to be this beautiful group of people that Jesus is interacting with and redeeming and saving and doing great works in. Talked about it in some of our other questions about some of the maybe challenges that were unique within youth ministry, maybe different for you from working in suburban. I want to go back to that a little bit and, and talk about some of those things. I'm interested about the piece of just the, you rethink probably programming, you rethink a lot of those connections uh, through your planning process too for youth ministry. Are there other things that you would say that are maybe unique challenges for young people in that urban setting when it comes to ministry setting? And how does that impact your youth ministry when you start to plan and think through maybe a year of work with a young person? Or like you said too, I appreciate you kind of said it before, it may not be our traditional thinking high school youth ministry is 10 to 12 or 9 to 12, but it's it's a family ministry. Mm-hmm. And that that's not necessarily always a challenge, it's a joy. And it's awesome to see, but there might be some things that might be unique when we think youth ministry that you think through some filters when it comes to those connections. So some things with youth ministry, some of my families, this is different than my suburban ministry, are much more multi-generational and much more, there's just a lot more people Mm -hmm. in a household Mm -hmm. than than I experienced. And so that brings joys and it also brings planning differences on, this many kids are coming or this family can't come all at once, all at once. Whoa, we have one third less or a half less mm. people because this family, for some reason, can't be there this day. So resourcing is different that way. Like I mentioned, transportation is much different mm. um, because a lot of my kids, if they're there, it's because one of the adults is picking them up mm-hmm. and taking them home. Mm-hmm. Also, difference in the urban, depending on where you live or where the youth or the, their families live, there's certain parts of the day mm-hmm. and certain parts of the neighborhoods. Yeah. Like there's some neighborhoods that only the men counselors pick up and take the kids home mm-hmm. just because it's a safety issue. Mm-hmm. But yet those kids need to be there and we want them to be there. So we work it out or 
some neighborhoods, we don't go after dark. So we plan our events during the daytime. So when they're done, they can get home safely just because of the uniqueness of that situation. Mm-hmm. One of the kind of the nature of uh, some of the neighborhoods that are going to be in the city is that those young people are going to be exposed and and maybe even hyper aware of the safety around them, the violence that can happen around them, things like homelessness, food insecurity that can be happening around That's them. That's their norm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's not like it, it's more it's probably more my issue because it's different for me. And I'm learning every day. I didn't grow up in this setting, but they are. And so often I find they're teaching Heidi. They're teaching me, mm-hmm. okay, Heidi, you can't do it that way. Or, oh, Heidi, you can't wear those type of clothes. You need to dress this way because it fits better and because you're safer. Or um, they've challenged me, but they teach me because we're in this together. And it's it, and they love me enough. They know I love them enough, so they love me enough to make sure I'm not stupid. Or that, <laughs> or that, they're, that, that it's okay enough that they want to bring their friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I want them to bring their right. friends, but then Heidi, you gotta, you gotta like, it's not like they're, they're saying I'm wrong, but they're like, okay, Heidi, you know, you gotta lose this. There's a culture they, in the yeah, city. Culture, right. Heidi, There's Heidi. a city well, culture. And they challenge me on being authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I've had to do some pretty deep self-reflection mm-hmm. and I've grown a lot spiritually because of it. Yeah. It's, They've taught me and they're mentoring me in in beautiful ways to grow more like Jesus. I also love how many neighborhoods in cities are filled with immigrants and refugees and the culture that that mm-hmm. brings with them. I certainly know. And, it, and it's often neighborhood by neighborhood, mm-hmm. right? So the right. neighborhood I was in in Chicago, you could not count on every place being in English because a lot of it was in Polish, was <laughs> it was in Czech, was in Eastern European countries. We're going to see different places in different um And that's one of the amazing, beautiful things of St. Louis is we have an immense refugee population. And then what that brings and the variety and the joys. But it also, that's another place I've learned where culturally in where I grew up in suburbans, this was no big deal. But in their cultural setting or situation, it might be offensive. And so they're, again, real authentic and a lot of communicating. So I understand that even goes um, with certain food choices, because mm-hmm. even though maybe they now are Christians, they still hold to some cultural things of their homeland that um, may not culturally be accepted, like to eat certain foods. They won't eat it because our culture doesn't do it. Even though they are believers mm-hmm. and Christians, they mm-hmm. still hold on to some of that culture. It makes the potluck so much more yeah. delicious, frankly. Much more opinion. delicious, absolutely. In my, in my opinion. <laughs> uh, so last year was difficult in youth ministry for everybody, but were there some particular ways that it was difficult for you in your context? The Yes. The race riots were really hard on my kids, partly because some of the rhetoric they were hearing, they were using words that the kids heard from church, but maybe the definition and the meaning of those words that are being said in the rhetoric were different definitions. Mm. And for them trying to navigate that was very hard. Also, the rhetoric of living in fear, they didn't want that. And they rejected that, the that be afraid, do this because you're afraid. They're like, no, I, I don't live afraid. 
they already beat that battle in a lot of ways in their other life. And so they said, okay, so things are different, but we're not going to, we still want to laugh and we still want to have joy and, and we want to grow through this. And in some ways, again, they taught me that we're not going to be afraid, but we're going to, we're going to live in faith and faith over fear. Mm. So that's, that was a good thing, but the cultural clashes and the rioting that had deep scars for our young people in in my context. You shared some great stories before we got started here about some partnership opportunities that have happened or relationships that you've built with other congregations and with just people who support you and your ministry. And so we want to kind of leave off on that part and that question, like what are some ways that urban churches can partner with suburban churches to help mutually benefit their youth ministries? So how you share and see so come together as the body of Christ from different contexts and be able to have that. And then also maybe what are some of the other ways youth leaders can be praying for those serving in urban youth ministry as well? Okay. So one thing I, I know sometimes, and I want to kind of set from our point of view, we don't need rescuing because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. we were rescued by Jesus already. And we don't want pity because life might look different than you, mm-hmm. but we want friends. Mm-hmm. And they want to be listened to, and they want to be loved just like every other kid on the planet. Mm-hmm. So let's love me for who I am, listen to me, and let me listen to you, and let us do life together. Mm-hmm. That being said, sometimes resources are hard. So some of my great joys of being a part of this diverse Senate is, is God has equipped us so well. So, for instance, at the National last national youth gathering, I got to take kids. But we they couldn't fundraise them. When, when your parents are living on subsidy or they have to su- support your family at the end of the month by our congregation's food pantry, fundraising is a whole mm-hmm. different look. Yep. It just isn't possible. They're willing to work hard. Mm-hmm. So what my kids did is they said, we'll serve, Heidi, and they do serve. But then what a partner church did is they said, We'll, we'll, we have the resources. We'll give you the money. And I got some beautiful letters. I got amazing financial gifts from some suburban congregations or individuals who said, I love your kids. I don't, I love that you're doing life with them. I want them to have this opportunity. And God's blessed me this way. I want to bless them. Mm-hmm. And what my kids did, they said, will serve. So my kids didn't fundraise. They each served at least 40 hours in our community. Wow. wow. A piece. Yeah. And then God blessed it with all kinds of just one day I was telling you a few minutes ago, I was in dollar store and I get this phone call from a, a friend that I go to a Bible study with in a suburban congregation. She said, my mom wants to pay for one of your youth to go. Her widowed retired mom just sent me a check for $1,200 said, take a kid. Mm-hmm. That's pretty powerful mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And and we're and so grateful for those kinds of partnerships that, that don't have expectations or don't come in the way that, that maybe the church with financial resources feels like they have to, mm-hmm. right? But in a way that is really mutually beneficial mm-hmm. for both for both well, groups. and then they hear the stories, and it's your youth that say, "I mean, as we all should respond to God's grace, as we respond in acts of mercy for others and care, and so on." They mm. get it. They get yeah. it. Like they want to do it out of the response of one person's 
gift of of out of their ability to do so that they respond by giving a love into your community that's just right. awesome to see yeah we can serve in our yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and that they did yeah. yeah and um and that's some of how god's economy works out absolutely. in a beautiful way yep. so when i partner with my my friends in suburban ministry one thing i think that would be helpful if you were in this situation where you want to do some partnering is is discreetly and that the adults before the event happens to discuss how can we mesh our two groups together on even ground? Mm -hmm. Is there something discreetly that needs to be given or shared or said to youth on both sides so that when we come in, we're just all kids who are loved by God and that we're even. But when, when you come in and it, you feel like you're unequal, either way, if I'm higher or lower, it doesn't set a great, it, you don't have a good start. And you have to be together long enough to work through that. And frankly, sometimes you don't have enough time to mm -hmm, do that. Mm -hmm. So if the adults can work some of that out, so going from the onset, the kids are on even ground. So that might be, hey, the, the church who has more resources, we're, we're telling our kids, you're bringing the pizza, but I'm really giving you the check under the table mm -hmm. before they get there. Mm -hmm. So I'm really paying for the pizza, but my mm -hmm. suburban mm -hmm. kids are thinking you're bringing it because that puts us mm -hmm. on equal mm -hmm. ground. Mm -hmm. And if you want to partner, you have to have, it takes more communication before before you mix the kids and honest with the adults. So what are the needs and how we can do it? And and acknowledge that there are differences and this way we just might be different and other ways that we can find our common ground together. And what a great way to have a conversation about breaking down those assumptions that we have of both directions right, both are, yeah, both uh, to find that common place in Jesus and common Absolutely. place together. And urban ministry can be its kind of its own thing, which yes. can make it hard to get support and network. So what are some ways that you you get support and networking? I I can honestly say sometimes when I go to conferences and learning opportunities, I don't quite fit in because my situation is mm -hmm. different. Mm -hmm. And so unless it's about me as an individual getting fed spiritually, a lot of conferences I don't fit in because urban ministry is unique. And so what I think some of the church workers, and because we're in a large urban setting, we have found mutual support and encouragement and prayer by meeting together. And then because God has blessed me with a variety of past serving situations, people that I'm already in relationship with, dear friends and coworkers and families from past ministries, because they know me and trust me, they're willing to look into something different and they help partner and help make things happen. So for instance, like a family in my congregation, their car broke down. I can go behind the scenes and say, hey, I, I need 600 bucks to pay for uh, some parts for this kid's family so they can come to church and get to work where that's not a problem and my relationships are meeting those needs. Sometimes they're very done discreetly, but it's all done in God's beautiful economy of his diverse church. And often churches within an urban setting together find ways to band together, to, to communicate with each other, to gather resources, to share those resources. Um, and that is a really uh, great partnership you can have with other churches as well. I know we, I know we had that in, in my context as well. So thanks so much, Heidi, for being here and, and for sharing a little bit about your 
your context. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be here with you two today. Urban churches reflect God's faithfulness in an ever-changing world. Communities and neighborhoods change. The makeup of congregations change. Challenges and opportunities change for ministry as well. And urban churches show resiliency in the face of these changes and sometimes uncertainties. And we are thankful for the many people who work through these changes and are also part of some exciting new growth God is bringing into our cities. Right? Cities are resilient, right? And, mm-hmm. the, and the people in them are incredibly Absolutely. resilient. And you heard Heidi talk about that, right? That it's kind of can be a mix of a variety of things, whether it's uh, people who are, who are working poor, people who um, are upwardly mobile, but who love the city, mm-hmm. um, people who are highly, highly financially resourced. Mm-hmm. And you might have all of those in the same congregation. Right. You might have immigrants and refugees and all of those people brought together. Loving God in your community can bring a lot of variety that might not exist in perhaps other locations. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that too. I think that side of the urban ministry of you know the openness that's there, talking about getting off that veneer and really being real and relational in those contexts. Right. Um, I think it's a, a great model for us to think about in any context. And maybe we have you have to work harder to do that in other contexts maybe, yeah. but it gets into those deep conversations. I think where youth see brokenness in the world, they want the answers in scripture and they want deep relationships of adults who are going to walk with them and their peers too. They're going to wrestle with those tough issues I think sometimes that was some of the explosion that happened with some of the unrest in our country this year is that how many young people were becoming aware of issues that were real. And it was wrestling, how do we deal with that as a society, as a church? I mean, so to be able to have that and caring relationships is a great opportunity to speak the gospel into people's lives. Yeah. And we have young people in often in urban contexts who, for a variety of reasons, may be exposed often to a lot of different issues mm-hmm. there, whether that's violence or whether that's people who are struggling with a lack of food or a lack mm-hmm. or with homelessness. And, you know, for me, I, in, where I was in Chicago, it wasn't uncommon for kids starting in high school to be taking public transit mm-hmm. an hour each direction mm-hmm. to, to go to school, that kind of thing. Just the amount of, of awareness they had about what was going yeah. on in the world and right. in their communities and with each other is is a powerful thing, but it changes what you talk about. It changes Mm -hmm. how you talk about it. It changes the kinds of questions you ask in the way that they want to to dig into scripture. I also think, you know, it is really great to hear about partnerships and making sure that we have those in a really healthy, equal footing. Yeah, right. <laughs> We're talking about working because the vast majority, I think, of congregations in LCMS are, are not in urban areas. Um, they're in other kind of suburban or rural contexts. And so I think there are lots of assumptions we make about what it what it's like to live in a city. And that's uh, not always true. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I think what, you know, I think if you looked in the history of our church body, you would have found it would have been those urban churches that used to be sending the missionaries out to the rural <laughs> areas. Right. And so, again, those partnerships that we see because of the gospel, because we love people, that we want to work together as the body of Christ in our cities, um, in our individual neighborhoods, but then also as we look together as a church body, the way that we can partner, learn from each other um, and care for one another is pretty exciting. Right. Because when I moved to Chicago, that was a huge learning yeah. curve for me. Yeah. Right. Like I, I never lived in a big city before. And I remember people asking me, like, are really you're interested in urban ministry? And in my mind, it didn't seem that much different than what I had had known mm-hmm. before. Very different yeah. mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> for a lot of different ways. But I really I fell in love with with the city and its culture and the people there. And you do have to think about a lot more different pieces in terms of their family, transportation, mm-hmm. access to resources than, than before. But there is something really beautiful about the way our neighborhoods come together in the city. And when I moved to St. Louis, I moved out uh, into the county, into the suburbs, and didn't, it wasn't for me. It, 
for a lot of people, just wasn't for mm-hmm. me. <laughs> and I felt very passionately that you know, I found a, a church home in the city and, and moved back into the city. I, there is something really um, fantastic about urban ministry. And, and once you can maybe get past some of those assumptions we make about different contexts, and hopefully that's part of what this series is going to do a little bit, is kind of expose you to different contexts and the joys there and the ways that God is, is working there. So a few questions to think about as you uh, move on. How can you consider how uh, youth can be uh, youth ministry can be holistically caring for families? How can you think about how to be thankful for resources you have access to and consider how youth ministry can or may be different without access to activities, food, resources, and other things we take for granted? And how can we partner together to ensure everyone has access to uh, church opportunities that can help them grow in their understanding of God? We continue to keep you in our prayers as you care for young people, especially this week for those caring for young people in urban ministries. May the mosaic of your youth in your neighborhood reflect God's design for community. And uh, as we pray for each other, we pray that we come together in a positive way to point young people to Christ. Engel's podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church. Music.